This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast. It is Friday evening. It is on the heels of the announcement just moments ago of the additional opponents to SEC schedules. I'm joined by Charlie Potter. The uh, The beat doesn't sleep, Charlie. You know, we don't get Friday nights off on this beat. These aren't bank- banker's hours here, right, uh, at BamaOnline.com. And with that, we find out that Alabama – has added a road game at Missouri and a home game against Kentucky to round out its 10-game SEC-only slate. Your initial thoughts, Charlie, were you a little surprised by that duo coming onto the schedule? Maybe a little. Um, you know, We had talked previously uh, about the potential matchups that Alabama could have. Uh, with adding the the two extra conference games and i know a popular pick and a team that that uh, just judging off of our message boards and social media that alabama fans wanted to see alabama play florida and uh i, I think that was one of the more intriguing matchups out there uh, that wasn't already previously scheduled um you know it, it goes to show that alabama already had a pretty tough draw from the sec east of course it's going to get uh, tennessee but you know playing georgia I think the the combination of Kentucky and Missouri uh, it, it makes sense if you're looking at it from a strength of schedule standpoint. You know, Kentucky is a team that you know it, it's a it's a team that's won eight games two years in a row. They've won both of their bowl games the last two seasons. Uh, um, you know, they get a guy like Terry Wilson back at the quarterback position. So I think that's a you know a game that you're not just going to sleepwalk through. Missouri might be you know going in with a, a first year head coach and. And Drinkwitz, but um, I, I think it's a it's a good combination. It, it's it's not the toughest schedule we saw. I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a little bit. There's some other teams that just from the two additional games they added, uh, <laughs> they got a tough draw. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, Alabama's got a good mix of teams ju- um, ranging from the top to the bottom of the SEC East with Georgia right there at the top. I think you know Tennessee and Kentucky right there in the middle, and, and Missouri's probably at the bottom. So. Uh, at the end of the day, when you look at it from that perspective, I think it makes sense. But you know, there there were so many options thrown out here when we were talking about this potential schedule. And it, you know, we say schedule, the schedule hasn't even been released yet. We just know the opponents. We don't know the dates yet. So uh, it's it's a pretty good draw for Alabama. I think fans are, are pretty happy, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if this thing can actually get played. Yeah, that's the big question still moving forward, and. You know, who knows if it was by design, but uh, I like the SEC providing some nice content for the old network, right? You go ahead and you put the two additional opponents out there. Although Friday at 6 Eastern, 5 Central, it's exactly prime time to blow big news out. But you're going to have some additional content in the coming week or so, you got to think, 
once we get an actual schedule. And that's when we'll have some more context provided to all of this as well. You know, if you end up still opening your season with Georgia uh, on September the 26th, if you're those two teams, well, then, you know, maybe a road trip to Missouri the next week um, isn't as easy coming off an opener uh, like Georgia. If that's the way it plays out, that's where context will be extremely important once we get that actual 10-game schedule in terms of how it's going to look out. Um, for all these teams, but I got to be honest with you. I found it anticlimactic Friday evening, man. I was anticipating Florida coming on the schedule perhaps, um, but you could see where the combination of both strength of schedule and the rotational situation with these you know, uh, opponents coming from the other divisions, uh, I think that probably played into it too, Charlie, because uh, you know, you've, you've, you've had – Missouri and Kentucky on Alabama schedules, I think, here in the last three or four years. So it's going to still be a little bit before you see those two teams again. Um, and you sort of preserve the rotation that way. I'll tell you who was happy is Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen had to be thrilled. And I know the Gators, I think, have to go to Texas A&M, mm-hmm. I believe, is one of their new games on their schedule. But if you're Dan Mullen, you not only don't see Alabama – who you were 0-9 against as the head coach at Mississippi State, but you still see them next year when there's a lot greater chance that there's going to be more than 20,000 people in the stands at the Swamp. You know, Like if you would have gotten Alabama this year, if it had been bumped up and the occupancy and capacity is down, you're talking about what, maybe 20,000? You lose your home field advantage that way. Um, and so conversely, when you look at Alabama – getting Kentucky um, at home, you know, it it shouldn't require much of a home field advantage there, but with Georgia, it's going to be interesting if there's a reduced occupancy. So a lot of different ways you can go with this thing. Uh, Again, we'll talk some more uh, winners and losers. I thought going into it, just looking at who they were already paired with cross division, I thought Texas A&M and Tennessee were going to have to, or we're going to have, their schedule's upgraded a pretty good bit from strength to schedule. I think it played out that way. A&M ends up uh, adding a road game at Tennessee. We'll get UF at home. Tennessee will go to Auburn on the road additionally now and get A&M at home. So of the legitimate contenders, I guess is what I'm saying, for the upcoming season in the SEC, those were the things that maybe stood out the most to me from the Alabama and conference perspectives. Yeah, they do. And uh, it it was it was easy to piece the puzzle pieces together a little bit. Like we said, I think both of you and I thought that Alabama was going to add Florida, but you you didn't think they were going to play South Carolina because they played them last year. And it does preserve those those games down the road. But, you know, just looking at the rest of the list. Um, I, I agree with you about Tennessee and Texas A&M. Uh, they, they were going to have to get their schedules beefed up a little bit, um, regardless of who they added, really. But you feel bad for teams like Arkansas and, and Missouri <laughs> because uh, Missouri, obviously, no. we've talked about it. They, they get Alabama uh, at home, but they still get Alabama. But then they also have to travel to Baton Rouge to face LSU. And then the flip side of the coin, Arkansas has to play uh, Florida and Georgia. So, uh, you know, the, the two teams that are going to be toward the bottom of the league uh, get a tough draw there. But, no, I mean, I think when you look at it, um, we talked about what the SEC uh, did. It was smart to put it on the SEC network. It, it's kind of 
frustrating a little bit though how long they've taken to kind of put this together and they said it's going to be uh, the, the full schedule is going to be released the next two weeks that's that's the window they've put out there and uh dari noka who was the host of the the reveal show mentioned that the the dates that were already set you could erase those so it, it's looking like they can shake things up a little bit so gonna have to be monitoring that and you know having the the marriott windows open on the laptop <laughs> move things around but uh, all in all, I think you know adding this, it it's it helps. Obviously, you got to get to the season, but seeing these teams, seeing Tennessee and Auburn play, that that's that's great. You get to see uh, A and M in Florida. You got some good matchups here, and um, it it helps a guy like Nick Saban, who's been a big proponent of a nine game SEC schedule, to see this because fans are going to be if it plays out. And of course, you're, you're not going to have a lot of people in the stadium, but having these games on TV. People are going to want to see a lot of this in the future, so maybe we kind of get a uh, early preview of what may to come down the road. Yeah, you know, look, you feel bad for Arkansas and Missouri because, yes, they add these really tough games, and they're not even going to see the benefit of it in all likelihood from a ticket sale standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you add these games, and of course, one's one each in terms of home games, um, and they're just L's with not even the financial windfall of 75,000 or so in your stadium for those given Saturdays. So it's really the double whammy. But, you know, I get the sense that for guys like Orgeron, guys like Nick Saban, guys like Kirby Smart, I don't think they really get all that caught up in it. It's, It's more so the teams that you wonder about just in terms of bowl eligibility now. You know, and how attainable that's going to be. And I guess that in this year with so much going on and so many adjustments having to be be made, uh, I'm guessing four and six will probably be good enough uh, as a standard if we do have a bowl season to, to get some of these teams in. But uh, a lot to consider. And again, we're just doing this moments after the schedule, uh, the additional games being released. So we're going to have plenty more thoughts on this uh, as we move throughout the coming days and weeks. We're going to head to a break when we come back with more of the Bama Online podcast on a Friday evening. We're going to talk about opt-outs in college football and the potential for those in the Southeastern Conference. To this point, anyway, let me knock on wood three times. There you go. It's been pretty quiet on that front with the Southeastern Conference, but we'll get into some of that as well. And also protocols that are coming into play for college football and specifically, again, the Southeastern Conference. We'll do that and more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. All right, so we're back with more of the BamaOnline.com podcast. Travis Ryer alongside Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us there at BOL covering the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we've given you some quick bullet thoughts, bullet points on this additional games, these additional games that have been released by the league to fill out these 10-game conference-only schedules for the 2020 season. Now that we have an understanding of who everyone is scheduled to play in the Southeastern Conference, Charlie, hard not to sort of shift your attention to who's going to play in these games, because as we've seen elsewhere around college football, and certainly in the National Football League as well in the last week or so, opt-outs become very much a part of the storyline Where do you think we're headed, Charlie? Um, I guess we want to start with Alabama closest to home, but then, you know, around the Southeastern Conference, it's, it's something that, again, we haven't heard as much about to this point. 
No, at least not from big name players. We've seen the the Big Ten get hit especially hard uh, with this, and um, I think that it's a situation where you, you can't blame the players. I mean, we're in an unprecedented time. We don't even know you know what the season's going to look like or if it'll happen. Uh, I think you know we we try to remain optimistic in that regard, but. When it comes to the contenders, really, the, the teams that you know are going to be in that college football playoff picture, we haven't heard much from them. Uh, I think maybe the closest one would be a Penn State with losing a guy like Micah Parsons, but we haven't heard anything from Alabama or Clemson, Ohio State, you know, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma. Those teams haven't really been affected yet. And you know, when you look at Alabama's roster and how it's made up, uh, you have a lot of seniors that are going to be uh, the big names in the draft. And guys like a Dylan Moses and an Alex Leatherwood, a Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris, those guys all decided to, to come back this year. And I just don't see those guys like that choosing to opt out after making that decision on passing on the NFL draft when a lot of those guys – especially Leatherwood, Moses Smith could have been first round draft picks this past April. So uh, I think when you, when you talk about this, you look at the guys that are maybe juniors and, you know, we've seen a guy, Jalen Waddle. I mean, he's, he's been working out relentlessly uh, all off season long and he's been, you know, on campus and, and doing these things. We've seen the the sports science videos that they've put out with Jeff Allen. He's been in the, the facility and, and doing things like that. So, um, you never know where it can come from, whether it's a, a reserve that's just uncomfortable or maybe has a, a health issue that they're worried about. And that's completely understandable given the, the current uh, climate and the, the virus situation. But right now it, it hasn't been that big of a deal from a, um, a player perspective of, of big names. You know, we'll see what happens down the road. And that's something obviously we'll be keeping an eye on. I wish, you know, somehow, and I don't really see how it can happen, but We've seen the, the NFL put a deadline on it for players to opt out. We saw five former Alabama players choose to do so. I, I wish that we could have like a, a date to kind of put on the calendar for college football, but there isn't one yet. I don't think there will be. And uh, I think, though, the, the coaches and the staffs are, are understandable and understanding that this is a you know an unprecedented and unique situation, and, and guys are going to have to make personal and family and professional decisions down the road. Yeah, you know, the date, the only date we really have right now with the SEC is August 17th. And that's the target date, the set date for the start of preseason practices. So I would say this next week will be perhaps pretty mm-hmm. interesting uh, around the Southeastern Conference. And, you know, something else we haven't seen from SEC players is similar to the Pac 12 and the Big Ten and some other leagues, this unified approach. Uh, they've utilized. A couple of the leagues have the Players' Tribune to sort of get their concerns and, in some instances, some outright demands out there uh, to those respective leagues. So that's that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on where it relates to the Southeastern Conference because it's pretty much been quiet on uh, that front as well. But, um, yeah, that's what I would say the next week. I mean, if, 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 if you start hearing some things uh, over the weekend and into next week, uh, I think that's the window that you're going to be – uh, sort of monitoring there where it comes to uh, Alabama and SEC players. You know, it's to the point, though, right, Charlie, where if the official Twitter account for Alabama football puts out a hype video like they did on Friday, sort of counting down 50 days to the start of the season, you're watching the hype video, seeing who they're including 
you know, right? Like, I think the one on Friday, you checked off Najee Harris, you checked off Jalen Waddle. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're left with right now because we haven't interacted with the football team really since what the Citrus Bowl or so. I mean, that's how long it's been. Yeah, I mean, the the last availability we had was the uh, was National Signing Day, and you had the draft decisions, and that's that's guys that. Um, you, you obviously just talked to Nick Saban and the guys that are leaving. So it, it has been uh, a minute since we've heard from those players. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that looks when they start camp in a week. But I, I do think one thing to keep in mind with this opt out decision, if, if people are scouring social media, you know, this weekend to, to look for clues, the, Hence, clues. Yeah, the, the players, though, they aren't in town this weekend. They've been given the weekend off. I do know that. So if you see, you know, a guy that you think could be an opt-out candidate and he's back home, well, most of them are. Uh, I've seen a lot of them hit the airport and, and go back home and take advantage of a long Jeez. weekend just before camp, and that's that's just the the reality we live in. But no, you're you're right about that. I mean, I I looked at the video. I, I saw <laughs> Najee and Jalen and Devontae and Dylan Moses. Yeah. They even put out a graphic with a new um, with a new schedule, and it had. Devonte Smith and Patrick Strand the second on it. So, yeah, it's it's it is going to be a busy week though, just from a a personnel and standpoint and getting ready for um, for camp. And you know, I, I would like to to hope that we would get some kind of availability. I, I don't know if we will. Um, whether it's via SEC media days, we haven't heard anything about that since it's been postponed, or maybe just Nick Saban, who we haven't heard from since late March from a, a Zoom and teleconference standpoint. But we'll get them soon. Um, you know, once once they get into camp, I know you'll have you know some kind of availability. We won't be you know meeting with them in person over at Mount Moore. We'll be doing Zoom meetings and things like that and things over the phone. But um, we'll get a little bit back to normal and doing some kind of interviews. Speaking of protocols, now that you mention all these guys going home for the weekend um, and then coming back, uh, testing, the SEC uh, pretty much put out its protocol, its its procedures for the upcoming football season. The SEC will coordinate with a centralized testing setup through a third-party provider to ensure consistency in surveillance and pre-competition testing in football uh, student athletes will receive a PCR surveillance test at least twice weekly during competition, typically six days and three days prior to comp. That makes sense because you're probably coming off a game and then you're in the final stages of preparing for the next game uh, based on that time frame. I think the third party aspect of this is interesting because it's been mentioned in proposal slash demands from some other leagues that we've seen to this point. And I think it goes back to transparency and trust, you know, with the players and uh, understanding that, you know, you're using someone even outside the program to conduct a lot of this testing. No, you're right. I mean, it is something that I think the the players and the, the parents of the players are cognizant of and sometimes worried about. And, I think that the programs like Alabama are taking every measure to, to keep these guys safe. And I haven't really heard of very many guys that are, that are worried about that. Um, I, I think that with this plan for testing and possibly even doing a third test, um, you know, before games, it, it's going to lead to a lot of sore noses. Um, it, it's going to be a situation where they probably get tired of it, but it is a, a measure put in place for, you know, their well being and to try to keep everybody safe because, 
um, you know, it, it's a it's a situation where we're we're seeing it happen in Major League Baseball, where if a team you know has an outbreak, you're looking at what's happened with the Cardinals and the Marlins, and they're postponing games, and and that's something where in football you have ten precious games, and we wondered you know what what the season's going to look like and things like that. With them pushing it back, it gives you a little bit less flexibility to move things around, and um, you, know, you just hope that you can get those ten games in. So. Uh, no, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens. I think that they've, these guys are very mindful and made well aware of the decisions they need to make when, if they choose to go home or out of town, uh, this weekend with being off. And, um, I think that when it comes to getting back on campus and, and going through camp, they're going to be in the camp setting and, and isolated and, and everything like that. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what camp life is like and what they've been up to when we get to maybe get a little closer and inside the program some. So Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the good thing is it's built in a way for your preseason that you bring them back, and if you do have some positives, you still have enough time. You know, uh, you have time before September the 26th. You know, you're not trying to hurry this thing into a September the 5th start or something like that. You'll still have some some time to work with. And now my, my sinuses ache after thinking about those COVID tests, because I've been down that road here in the last month and perhaps hopefully for the players and staff and everyone involved, maybe they can do the throat swabs, which I don't know are any much better, but uh, yeah, that's a, that, that's not a lot of fun if you're doing that a couple of three times uh, per week. And look, when we talk about FBS football and you're seeing this already, this sort of break away from the power fives to the rest of the division one teams. I call it economics at this point, it's economics and it's optics. That's what we're dealing with right now when it comes to trying to pull this thing off for the college football season. And, you know, the economics work well for places like Alabama and power fives in general, not so much uh, for group of fives and in the few independents outside of Notre Dame that are banging around out there. Well, Charlie, appreciate you as always taking the time on a busy Friday evening. Always great stuff for us there at BamaOnline.com. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, my man. Outside the Friday news dump, I'll try to do that. (laughs) All right, there he goes. The one, the only, Charlie Potter. Travis Schreier thanking you as well for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, How about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, you name it. You can find us anywhere you consume podcasts. It's really easy. Also very easy to leave us a review and a rating while you're there. We would appreciate that as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, have a great weekend, everybody.